Welcome to our second sermon in the series on the Lord's Prayer. Today, the topic is Whose Will Be Done? Our text again comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. This time I'll read from the New American Standard Bible. Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we ask today that you make your kingdom a reality in our hearts and in our minds, that we might join with you in making your kingdom a reality in our community, in our state, and beyond. Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done in all of the earth. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. God, bless our plans. How many times have we prayed that prayer or something similar? Bless our plans. Bless our trip. Bless our efforts. It sounds like a good prayer. I mean, who doesn't want to be successful? And we like to pray and ask God to make us successful. You know, when we launch a new mission or ministry, we ask for God's blessings. Bless us as we set out on this mission trip, or bless us as we launch this new small group. Of course, we assume that God wants to bless our efforts because we assume that we're doing what God wants. We we assume that we're in agreement with God when we start things. We think we have a great idea. We're certain that God must agree with us. And so we assume that God will bless us with success. But is that truly a safe assumption? Is that safe for us to assume in every situation, all the time? Are we always on the same page with God? Have we sat sat quietly and listened for God's will? Are our plans rooted in the heart of God? or in our own desires? Are we fully confident that our ways are God's ways? And on what do we base that? Those are important questions as we make our plans and as we ask God to bless our plans. Are we doing the thing that God has called us to do? I remember years ago I was in a nominations committee meeting in one of my churches And I was trying to focus on this point that the church belongs to Christ and our job is not to make decisions, but to discover what Christ has already decided. So I asked our committee, we were trying to fill a vacancy in in the leadership, and I, I asked our committee, who has God chosen to lead our church in that position? One member was actually honest enough to answer, well, I know who I was going to nominate, but I don't know if it's who God's chosen or not. How often do we do our church business in similar ways? We know what we want. We know what we would do, but quite frankly, we've not taken the appropriate time to check in with God. You see, when we ask God to bless our plans, we get to be in control still, and that's the way we like it. Sometimes we assume we know what God wants, then we decide what we're going to do, And then we ask God to make us successful with our plans. Now, if you listen to that carefully, there are way too many we's and ours in there. 
when we're talking about God's church and God's mission? And what if we're wrong about God's will? Too often we recreate God in our own image. It's even amazing to look at artwork of Jesus. Everywhere you look, Jesus is a white European guy. It's who I call sexy white Jesus. And it's just not accurate. It's, we've, we've recreated Jesus to look like us because if he looks like us, we can assume that he supports our causes. It's easy for us to assume that, well, God must be a Methodist, or he must at least prefer the Methodist. Surely we're the right ones, and he likes us better than the Calvinist over there. Uh, it's easy for us to assume that that God is, is patriotic, that God supports our country. When, when we hear God bless the USA, it's hard to tell if we're listening to a Christian song or to a patriotic song. Which is it? We assume very easily that God supports our ideas of democracy, that surely God wants us to be a democratic form of government when the kingdom of God actually is not. It's easy to begin to believe that God supports the things that I support. And if God agrees with us, then our cause must be righteous. Let me repeat that. If God agrees with us, then we assume our cause must be righteous. Can you see where that's starting to get dangerous? Where it's dangerous to believe that, that God agrees with us and therefore whatever we decide is the right path, it's the righteous way, it's the holy thing to do? Can you see where that can be dangerous because if we're certain that our cause is righteous, then we can justify any behavior to accomplish our goals. Once we convince ourselves that God is on our side, then we can commit all sorts of atrocities in God's name to accomplish what we assume is God's purpose. We've done it too often in the past. I learned in school about a principle uh, known as manifest destiny. Early in our nation's history, our leaders decided that God had granted us all the land between the Atlantic and the Pacific, that it was God's destiny for us that we possess all of that land. Never mind the fact that human beings were already living there. Never mind the fact that it was already home to other people created in God's image. But because we were certain of God's purpose for us to take over, we uprooted and destroyed whole groups of people to accomplish what we believed was God's will. That's the, dangerous, that's the danger of assuming that we want what God wants and then asking God to bless our purposes. We still see it in Christian nationalism today when we when we assume that, that God and our country want the same thing, when we blur the lines between spirituality and patriotism. And listen to our political speeches today on both sides. Uh, Democrats and Republicans do it alike. In every campaign speech, it seems they make a reference to God. They invoke God's name as if God is calling us to elect them over the other person. Both sides will do it, though. How do we know who to believe? At our worst, we use God as an excuse to serve ourselves 
regardless of the harm that we might do to others. When it's at our worst, we use the name of God just to prop ourselves up, even at the expense of others. We do our own will in God's name. We need the constant reminder from the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. This line in the prayer is the central point of the prayer. It's the central point of Jesus' entire earthly ministry. Throughout his entire ministry in the Gospels, Jesus is focused on bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Jesus did not come to help us build our own kingdoms. In fact, he constantly refused that option with the disciples. Over and over again, his followers tried to get him to set up an earthly kingdom, to throw Rome out, to establish a throne in Jerusalem. They wanted uh, David's kingdom, an earthly kingdom, and constantly he refused. He still rejects that idea today when we try to set up kingdoms in this world. He still rejects the notion. Instead, Jesus calls us to lay down our lives in establishing his kingdom. A kingdom not made with hands. Jesus calls us to lay down our lives in establishing his kingdom, not just in our church or in our town or in our country. Our mission is not just to make this a Christian nation. Jesus' prayer was that God's kingdom would come to all of earth. All of humanity matters. We're not just building the church in Tuscaloosa or in America. We are a part of a movement that is worldwide. We are to be concerned and, and compassionate for people in, in Europe and South America, Africa and Asia. We are to think worldwide about our mission. But what does the kingdom of heaven look like? How will we know it when we see it? Well, fortunately, the Bible gives us lots of clues. One of my favorites comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 6 through 9, where the prophet gives us a view of what the kingdom looks like. The wolf will lie down with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion will feed together, and a little child will lead them. The cow and the bear will graze, their young will lie down together, and a lion will eat straw like an ox. A nursing child will play over the snake's hole. Toddlers will reach right over the serpent's den. They won't harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea. What a beautiful image of what life is supposed to be like on earth, where we are at peace with one another. Uh, it's a beautiful image that I love going back to over and over. But notice that peace required some of the animals to change. In order for that vision of peace to be reality, animals like lions have to change their diet, stop killing animals to eat, and begin grazing with the ox. Well, guess what? Bringing the kingdom to earth for us, bringing peace on earth for us, will also require some change. Praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, may mean that we have to make the change. It might be as simple as paying a little bit more at the gas pump, or maybe a good bit more at the gas pump, to support freedom in Ukraine. 
Maybe it's writing a letter to your legislators to untax groceries. Maybe it's giving up a Saturday morning to volunteer with Habitat for Humanity or at a soup kitchen. If we are to be a part of ushering in the kingdom of heaven, we've got to pray this prayer, but we've got to do this prayer too. We've got to move into action and it will require change on our parts. Jesus told Peter and all of us, whatsoever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven and whatsoever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. That's an odd verse in the Greek, but that's the translation for it. It's future future passive that God actually calls us to peer into heaven through prayer and through study, through meditation and through discernment and see what heaven looks like. And then once we've discerned what heaven is like, God calls us to work to make this world match that vision. When we get the verb tenses right in that verse, It's about making earth look like heaven, not the other way around. God calls us to catch a glimpse of heaven and to make it so on earth. When we give diapers to people that are needing a hand, that's the kingdom. When we provide food for the hungry, that's the kingdom. When we fill gift bags for senior citizens who were all but left out in this world, we are building the kingdom. Now, over the last two weeks, we've been outraged by the atrocities in Ukraine and rightfully so. Lives are being destroyed for no good purpose. We've we've witnessed the opposite of kingdom work, and we've been motivated to help. You've given generously, and thank you for that. Your gifts are making a difference. That, too, is kingdom work. And I pray that our passion for justice in Ukraine will spread to every other need around us, Just as broken as we are over what's happening in that war, may we also be broken for what's happening right around us. May we fight for justice until no child is hungry, until no person is homeless, until no one is left out. May we continue to fight for justice until heaven comes to earth. Amen.